Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor.fm, the absolute best and easiest way to host your podcast and get paid for it by running ads just like these. And take it from me, I've hosted at least seven of my podcasts on Anchor.fm. I recommend it to every show on our network. And other hosts are going to charge you upwards of $100 every year just to run your podcast on their host. Anchor.fm does it for free. So go check out Anchor.fm for more information. The Cyberpunk Lorecast is now brought to you by our awesome patrons at patreon.com slash cyberpunk lorecast. Everyone who supports the show gets episodes early and an ad-free experience. Plus, it's pay what you want. It starts at $3 a month, and you can pay more if you'd like. Go check it out, patreon.com slash cyberpunk lorecast. Robots Radio presents... The Cyberpunk... Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where style is just as important as substance. Welcome to the podcast where we explore the lore, news, and gameplay of the cyberpunk games and other dystopian worlds. I'm your host, Robots. On the streets of Night City... You have the doers, the people out there getting things done, the solos, the net runners, the techies. But think about a good crime movie. There's always someone behind the scenes pulling the strings, and that person usually has connections. The thing that makes them different from the people out there getting things done, the front line of the insidious organizations is an ability to know what people want and to know how to get it, to move the pieces around and organize things. In Cyberpunk 2077, we are going to be interacting with a number of different kinds of characters But the ones who may be the most notable in their ability to organize and undermine the events of the game might be the fixers. In this episode, we're going to discuss what fixers are and why they might be so important in Cyberpunk 2077. So fixers, and I'm pulling this from the 2020 game guide are deal-makers, they're smugglers, they're organizers, and they're information brokers. And let's just dig into this. It says here, in the description of Fixers, you realized fast that you weren't ever going to get into a corporate job, and you didn't think you were tough enough or crazy enough to be a solo either. But as a small-time punk, you knew you had a knack for figuring out what people wanted and how to get it for them. For a price, of course. Now your deals have moved past the nickel and dime stuff into the big time. Maybe you move illegal weapons over the border, or steal and resell medical supplies from the corporations. 
Perhaps you're a skill broker acting as an agent for high-priced solos and runners, or even hiring a whole nomad pack to back a client's contracts. You buy and sell favors like an old-style mafia godfather. You have connections into all kinds of businesses, deals, and political groups. You don't do this directly, of course. No. You use your contacts and allies as part of a vast web of intrigue and coercion. If there's a hot nightclub in the city, you've bought into it. If there are new military-class weapons on the street, you've smuggled them in. If there's a corporate war going on, you're negotiating between sides with an eye on the main chance. But you're not entirely in it for the bucks. If someone needs to get the heat off, you'll hide them. You get people housing when there isn't any. And you bring in people food when the neighborhoods are blockaded. Maybe you do it because you know they'll owe you later. But you're not sure. You're one part Robin Hood and two parts Al Capone. Back in the 90s, they would have called you a crime lord. But this is the fragmented, nasty, deadly 2020s. Now they call you a fixer. And I think that's a good description. Crime lord. Think about, again, think about the movies that you've watched. There's always somebody behind the scenes pulling the strings. There's always somebody who knows a little bit more about what's going on and uses that knowledge as a way to control others. That is their avenue to power. And I think that's the key to this. It's not about the money. It's about power. To a fixer, it's about controlling the situation. It's about being in control. It's about connecting the dots and making plays. And sure, that's going to give you some money. But ultimately, the money is used to give you more power. The power is the focus, at least in my interpretation of a fixer. Now, there's a quote here in the Cyberpunk 2020 guide from Phil Nacho Hernandez, who is a fixer. And this gives you a sense of the attitude of a character like this. And it says here, quote, don't give me this Robin Hood stuff. I'm doing a job. No more. I give people what they want and they pay me out. Okay, so maybe I even a few scores here and there, but that's good for business. You make a friend. They'll take you in when the streets are too hot, and they'll pass you a few bits of data when you call in the markers. But that's business. I got a slogan. How much you pay me. And maybe this is the cover for actually caring about other people, and maybe it's an actual description about why they're nice to people sometimes, but they don't actually care about them. I think that depends on how you roleplay these characters. Now, in Cyberpunk 2077, we're going to come across fixers. In fact, we've already met one. If you've been watching the game reveals and, and the, the information that's been coming out for Cyberpunk 2077, then you will have seen Dexter Deshaun. He goes by Dex. And there's a quote here from the demo highlights. It says, fixers like Dexter juggle illegal contracts, burglaries, assassinations, kidnappings, trafficking, you name it. They do it for a price, of course. 
their links between clients and mercenaries. In Night City, fixers aren't far and between, but Dexter is exceptional. He's a top-level player with a wide net of contacts and the best mercenaries on demand. And it explains here that he's a character from the upcoming video game, of course. His name and bio are mentioned in the E3 2018 demo highlights pamphlet. So in that, it gives us a quick little overview, and it says, Dex is one of the best fixers in town. Hardly anything goes in Night City that he doesn't know about. He's got killer intuition and the experience to match. Word on the street is anyone who manages their first job for Dex is sure to go far. Now, there's also some really cool details uh, about Dex, and, and let's talk about his description a little bit. He's a black male with a air about him that says, don't mess with me. And you can see pictures of him in the cosplay guide. He has kind of like a buzzed half front half of his hair and then the back half of his hair is is like dreads hanging off the back and he has a big beard he's kind of got like a like a dread mullet sort of thing going on i guess you could say i don't know uh he also has on his right arm replaced from his elbow down is a cyber arm and it looks golden and in it he holds a cigar his other arm is crossed across his chest, and he's a, I guess you could say he's a rotund fellow. He's the kind of guy who's pretty big, but you know that underneath all of that extra flesh, <laughs> I guess you could say, are probably some big muscles as well. Um, he doesn't look like the kind of guy you want to mess with. Let's just say that. He also has some expensive jewelry around his neck and watches around his left wrist. Now, you can even see some little Easter eggs that CD Projekt Red is already hiding in some of the details of Cyberpunk 2077. For example, the tongues of his shoes have the School of the Wolf medallion from the Witcher series on them. So that's pretty cool. I bet there are going to be all sorts of call-outs to the Witcher series. So in researching for this episode, I was able to find an article on Medium.com about the different kinds of fixers that we are going to see in Cyberpunk 2077. And there's actually a pretty long list here. So I'm, I'm going to go through and kind of break these down and give you a sense of maybe some of the characters that you'll be interacting with in the game. So first they list the Black Marketeer, and they make their money by pocketing a percentage of sales of things that most people can't get, either because the legally not able to, or there's limited availability. A truly successful black market ring requires time, good management, and a little luck. Black marketers deal in many types of goods. Popular commodities include, of course, weapons, electronics, cyberware, body parts, drugs, software, slavery, brain dance, wetware, and secret documents. Slave traders deal in a particularly difficult commodity, namely people. There is a small but extremely profitable market for humanity, where people are valued as sexual playthings, data storage entities, and even food. So this gets really, really dark. And I have a feeling that the, the fixers who deal with that side of things are the absolute darkest side of humanity because 
I don't know. My gut reaction to that kind of information is uh, kind of revolting and have a feeling you probably feel the same way. But this game isn't going to pull any punches and we're going to come across all different kinds of society in it. Next one on the list is information brokers, and they're in the business of knowing things, which can make them very popular with people who aren't in the know, but very unpopular with those who are and don't want others to know. One great advantage that information brokers enjoy is that authorities are usually not a problem because it's seldom illegal to know things. In fact, the authorities often try to cultivate information brokers as contacts. By the very nature of their business, info bros spend a great deal of time doing research. Success in the information brokerage business demands many informants and contacts, preferably powerful, high-level contacts, as well as a good deal of intelligence and patience. Major league information brokers wield tremendous respect and are often feared. Now think about, this makes me think about Game of Thrones, and if you're familiar with Game of Thrones, then you know Varys, and Varys to me is an information broker. If he was in cyberpunk, he would be an information broker. Well-connected, well-informed, and powerful because of it. Now, the next one on the list is called a shoemaker. And it says here, with the modem evolution of the net, most of Night City's population are registered in the systems of the net through their state identification numbers, their SINs. This number is the citizen's electronic lifeline serving as their social security number and tied to their driver's registration, bank account numbers, employee identifications, net access code, and even their phone number. For criminals and edge runners, this system can be difficult. And when they need to disappear for a while, it becomes potentially serious. Altering the sin is called getting new shoes, hence the name shoemaker. Because it requires a tremendous amount of contacts, resources, and money to perform sin changes, the business is very exclusive and dangerous. Those specializing in sin modifications are sometimes referred to as the priesthood. Shoemakers sometimes buy customers' identities from them rather than performing erasure. And unscrupulous sin lifters are not above stealing identities and vengefully zeroing enemies. The most vicious shoemakers have been known to deliberately murder entire families and appropriate their sins. If you're a shoemaker in this world, then you are the kind of person who can mess with identities. You could, for example, murder an entire family and reappropriate their sin numbers to new people to give them new identities or to clear the slate. This could be very, very powerful in a criminal network. So expect to meet some shoemakers in the game. Next, we have the pusher. Pushers are despised by authorities and the general populace. Drug pushers, nevertheless, continue to flourish. Pushers are almost universally slimy characters, even those who gain the money and power to rise above the scum and graduate to become a major drug dealer. Although they are often supplied by organized crime, they are not true mobsters and wield no power within an organization, usually buying supplies and paying dues to some other type of fixer who is a higher caliber than them. Pushers generally work on their own. 
only dealing with others when buying supplies and selling to customers. And basically, they are parasitic. They are kind of the underbelly of the fixer world. Nobody likes a pusher, but because a lot of people end up addicted to what they supply, they have to deal with them anyway. All right, we're going to take a quick break here in the middle, and we'll be back with the rest of the list of the different types of fixers. So stay tuned. All of the podcasts on Robots Radio are sponsored by Gamefly and Loot Crate. So check out the show notes for the links. For Gamefly, you can get a free month of whatever game or movie rentals you want. That's a free month. You can sign up right now. Just click the link in the show notes and you can get whatever games or movies you want. Free shipping, all that for a month, 30 days of whatever games or movies you want. You can return them whenever you want and then just check out the next one. So if you want to get access to whatever the new games are for free, check out the link in the show notes. Also, 15% off Loot Crate. If you're interested in Loot Crate, get a bunch of swag to put on your desk, shirts to wear, things to put on your walls of video games, movie characters, all sorts of cool stuff. Check out the link in the show notes and use the code ROBOTSRADIO to get 15% off. Make sure you use the links in the show notes so they know we sent you. My name is Brian Burton. It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. Since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. This isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. And I promise to find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. Remember, there's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources. So, if the pushers are the underbelly of the fixer world, then the sleaze are... There's not a good analogy here for bellies. I I guess there is. The sleaze are the junk in the fixer's belly button (laughs) underneath their shoes. I was trying to go with the belly thing. Um, They are considered the lowest breed of fixer. They occupy the poorest economic niches in the fixer hierarchy, usually making their living as runners, middlemen, snitches, informers, petty thieves, and other low-life professions. Their business consists of leeching money from the dregs of society, so they seldom even enjoy support from any criminal organization. Sleazes are simple street salesmen peddling the dirtiest wares and lowest services available from the corporate center to the combat zone. Petty crime is their forte. So if you're getting into the fixer market, then you probably probably don't want to stay a sleaze. I mean, maybe that's where you start, but you're going to want to climb from there. Now, money bags are fixers who deal in pure currency. So money in 2077 has an almost magical power. The mega corporate economy has made money the greatest weapon known to man. It can buy people's souls and topple nations. Paper and coins, electronic cash, non-liquid assets, precious metals and jewels, stocks and bonds are the bodily fluids 
of the capitalist organism, which is the world of 2077. Clever entrepreneurs who know how to manipulate currency can get away with murder. These are, if we're going with the Game of Thrones thing, then money bags would be somebody like Littlefinger. He knows how to use money in order to manipulate other people and other things, but he's, he's got his finger on the currencies of Westeros, I guess you could say. So somebody like that could show up in 2077 and be kind of pulling the strings of the uh, financial purses behind everything else. Next are factors. Factors are big time financial brokers and as such are the most large scale of the money bags. Factors deal in such practices as money laundering, forgery, ghost accounting, and embezzlement. There are two kinds of factors, the rich and the jailed. Some factors specialize in falsifying an account holder's consent to a transaction, which takes them into the forgery business. It is very difficult to crack stolen cred chips without fancy equipment, and factors are the affirmed experts in the criminal industry for this task. Now, if we're talking money, there's also fences who are also known as pawnbrokers. They're experts in the redistribution of wealth. Fences buy assorted loot and resell it at higher prices. Fences are a highly valued professional, and there are always shady characters who want to sell assorted wares they have stolen, scavenged, found, inherited, or whatever. Fences are experts in the confidential exchange of assorted goods, from human organs to stolen cars. So to keep going on the uh, money tip here we have cred sharks who are kind of like the 21st century evolution of loan sharks but they deal exclusively through the net their main customers are net runners but all types come to cred sharks for their own reasons some naive types prefer cred sharks because they never have to meet their black market benefactors but this is just smoke and mirrors cred sharks are as vicious and dangerous as their meat eating cousins and perhaps more so. While a loan shark may look up a Welsher's address and have them harassed or beaten up, a cred shark attaches tapeworms, various forms of computer virus, to the electronic credit they front their clients. These tapeworms infect other facets of the customer's electronic identity and may be activated like time bombs by their cred shark masters. So think about that. Once you are plugged into the the software that is managing somebody's credits there's all sorts of stuff you can implant or change that's way more dangerous than somebody who's just loaning you money and waiting for a return because a loan shark if you don't pay up might come break your knees or take back that car that you bought but a cred shark can completely destroy your identity or make you go into extreme amounts of debt through one of these time bombs they implant on your account. So next we have full Borg fixers. And it says here that unless they are disguised as Geminis, Borgs tend to intimidate people by their mere appearance. That's not good for business. Moreover, the standard empathy losses make metalheads awful negotiators. So those few full Borg fixers that do exist tend to deal almost exclusively with their own kind, other full Borgs. While exotics are more accepted in society than full Borgs, they still suffer from some of the social stigma and prejudice. 
Exotics have the advantage of evoking a carefully tailored response from humans. Abject lust for cats, bunnies, and playthings. So this is the full end spectrum of somebody who's replaced pretty much all of their components and is now what is called a full Borg. And that can be intimidating. There's a certain level of acceptance of cyberware and replacements in society. And one of the things that I haven't talked about yet on this show is that as an individual replaces or implants more cyberware into their bodies, they become less and less tied to humanity. And in some cases can go psychotic. And somebody who's a full Borg is somebody that society in general is very careful about. So a full Borg fixer is probably both rare to come across, but also extremely intimidating to deal with. Next are the leeches, and they're kind of like the talent scouts of the fixer world. They bring employees and employers together and make things happen on the street below and in the corporate world above. Although there are plenty of gray and black services which come under the influence of these leeches, there are also many totally legal trades with which they are involved. Be they talent agents, talent scouts, or managers, all make their living off other people's talent. And that is why even the fairest and most selfless people person will find himself unflatteringly referred to as a leech. Now, the specific group of leeches who are called talent scouts are always in search of unrealized talent for acting and musical performances and other black ops operations, anything that somebody's looking for someone to do. And they're generally considered an annoyance on, say, nightclub owners and people, other people in the industries that they're working on because they're constantly schmoozing and just getting in with everybody they possibly can. Think about that guy who's just the friends with everybody and a total douchebag. <laughs> and you can just tell that seems to be a talent scout. Now, of course, a common fixer type is also going to be the pimp. And everybody knows what pimps do because they set up and coordinate their workers of the night, I guess you could say, and take a cut of those jobs. Many of them are also connected to other criminal organizations and managers of, say, escort services and things like that. Now, the demand for sexual services that the pimps would offer is, has been reduced because of sexually oriented virtual realities and brain dances and things like that. Now, there is a 21st variation, a 21st century variation on the prostitute called the, quote, get this, meat puppet where a girl or boy is connected to a brain dance while carrying out their, quote, business. The meat puppet's body is controlled by a simple computer program simulating erotic behavior while the actual person is experiencing a totally different world. Some pimps specialize in exotic prostitutes such as play beings or even full cyber joy toys. Generally, where the, th the real thing is illegal, VR sex sells better. Now, that sounds also like the absolute dregs of society. Can you imagine selling your body, but then willing to be disconnected from the experience while doing that? Seems off-putting, to say the least. <laughs> uh, we're not going to dwell on that one too long, because I'm sure you can imagine what that might be like. 
Then there are the go-betweens. In 2077, increasing gaps between the rich and the poor, inflamed tensions between racial groups, harsher confrontations between multiplying political movements, deeper divisions between generations, enhanced disparities in technology, and new alienations in humanity itself. Pure humans, cyborgs, exotics, and full borgs have led to an almost hopelessly fragmented society. Like the crossover from analog to digital technology, society has been divided into smaller and smaller units, leaving no apparent links which bind us all together. The resultant future shock has made it critical that there are professionals who serve as living interfaces between people. These people are the go-betweens. Go-betweens are experts at bridging the gaps between individuals and groups, forging connections for the street with his corporations, and for the nobodies with the edge runners. Whether go-betweens do this as a matter of duty, idealistic crusading, or plain old greed is a matter of individual context, but the business is undeniably profitable and fraught with danger. In terms of economics, go-betweens are masters of supply and demand smoothing the flow of commodities around the numerous social and economic groups packed into Night City. One of the types of go-betweens could be considered the negotiator. They are the arbiters. They basically are the ones who settle disputes between two different individuals, especially when it comes to individuals across social strata. Now, in any negotiation or arbitration, there are always, always going to be those who feel like they get the better end of the deal or the worse end of the deal. So the trick with negotiators is being able to navigate this and make sure that things are acceptable to both parties or things are going to work out for the party that wins and the party that doesn't win doesn't come after you <laughs> by whatever means that might entail. Now, there are also smugglers. Now, there are also fixers who are called smugglers. It says here, with the advent of corporate domination, the breakdown of federal authority and the establishment of free trade zones, commercial laws and economics differ widely from place to place. Smugglers take advantage of the variance in economic climates to time a comfortable profit. If computer intrusion software or cloned organs are cheap, and legal in one zone and expensive and illegal in another, a tremendous amount of money can be made transporting these items from the first place to the second place. The trick is not to get caught doing it. Substantial profits can be made simply by transporting perfectly legal goods from one area to another without paying the tariffs and taxes. Sometimes smugglers find themselves involved in such novel enterprises as bringing food into a neighborhood that has been blockaded or aiding political offenders in escaping to other countries. Similarly, there are traders who are a very, a very particular brand of fixer who deal not only in monetary transactions, but also in pure bartering. Very often, traders have an import-export business as their front, using the pretense of dealing in international goods, such as art or antiques, to provide a perfect smokescreen for trading black market commodities through utterly untraceable handshake deals and midnight drop-offs at waterfronts and basement loading docks. By exchanging one type of goods for another, traders do not have to deal in actual cash or credit. Their operations are therefore much harder to monitor and crack. Trader business is absolutely riddled with mob involvement since organized crime is readily capable of procuring large stockpiles of valuable commodities and providing the physical space to store these wares. And now we're at the last one on the list, the sniffer. These fixers often find themselves hired to schlep grimy, 
dangerous streets for some rich power dealer who doesn't want to get his expensive shoes dirty. In this respect, sniffers are very closely related to private investigators. A sniffer's reputation is dependent upon their ability to find anything and their willingness to go to any lengths for a client to get them their desired wares. Sniffers are the bloodhounds of the fixer underground, often sent on lengthy quests which may take them through a city, state, country, or even around the world. Corporate R&D executives often hire sniffers to track down the creators of flashy new weed wear, which is street-generated technology, so that their corporation can get patents on the new tech and mass-market it in a hurry. Rich kids often have steady relationships with sniffers who regularly fetch drugs, prostitutes, or any other black market wares their client may want to have but not want to take the risk of getting for themselves. White slavery is a business which some sniffers fall into, nabbing beautiful street kids to become the concubines of filthy rich foreign nationals. So totally dark stuff here. We've got a lot, a lot of dark stuff. The fixers of this world, like noted in the beginning, are the go-betweens. They are the people who are setting up and organizing the things for the other individuals in this world who don't want to be as identified with those pursuits, we should say. They're the ones making the connections and getting things done. So that's it for this episode. Thanks for joining me. And until next time, stay safe in Night City. And if you're working as a fixer, well, I hope you're good at your job. (laughs) And I hope you're not doing anything too terrible. All right. Stay safe out there. Talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Cyberpunk Lorecast. This show is a part of the Robots Radio Network, smart podcasts for interesting people. If you'd like to help support the show, please tell a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. If you'd like to get in contact, please send an email to cyberpunklorecast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at cyberpunklore. Also, join the community on the Robots Radio Discord. The link is in the show notes. The music on the show was written and performed by The Midnight and was used with their permission. Go check them out at themidnightofficial.com. Until next time, stay safe in Night City. We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Rated M for Mature. Because we don't believe in scripted advertisements, we're going to do this raw. I'm regretting this decision. No, you're not. This is the DL Weekly Gaming News. There's nothing to regret here because it's your source for everything in the gaming world. Every week, we bring it to you unscripted, unfiltered. That's why it's rated M for mature, right, Brenna? Among many, many other reasons. I am one of your hosts, Jameson. And as he already said, I am Brenna, the other glorious part to this quality podcast. You can find us every week wherever you listen to your podcasts at DL Gaming News. And you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter if you want some gaming news in your social media feed every day at DL Gaming News. And uh, you can find us individually if you really, really, truly want to see our faces. 
I am at DL underscore Mother Goose. And I'm at DL Jameson. And this was an advertisement. Go fuck yourselves. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Mikola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later, and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's The Elden Archives, a FromSoft Lorecast, available everywhere.